Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for September 12th, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serena. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer Y. Tran Bowie. Hey, everyone. Okay, guys, we've got a lot of news to cover today because uh, we have two days' worth of news because of the water cooler episode. And uh, tonight, I mean, this morning started off with kind of a bang as it was reported that Henry Cavell uh, is exiting his role as Superman in the Warner Brothers franchise. HD, what do we know? So according to a report from The Hollywood Reporter, Henry Cavill is out as Superman. Um, this happened after negotiations with H- Henry Cavill to appear in Shazam and a cameo appearance fell through and that spiraled eventually into Cavill reportedly leaving the role for good. So this is in the midst of a big shakeup that's happening at Warner Brothers again, uh, in which Warner Brothers is, is um, reportedly shifting its focus to Supergirl, uh, I guess, to more female-led uh, superhero movies. And in Supergirl, it would be an origin movie in which the teenage uh, heroine would 
sort of encounter only uh, Kal-El as an infant, and there are no long, longer any potential uh, Superman um, appearances planned in future DC movies for the time being. But this is weird. It, it sounded like Warner Brothers wanted Henry uh, to play Superman in Shazam, but he didn't want to. Is that what we're getting? That's what the report seems to suggest. Essentially, he wanted they wanted him to appear in Shazam in a cameo appearance. And then because those talks became complicated or of some sort, uh, they just eventually like shut down altogether. And now he's exiting the role. I don't know. It, it, I feel like if I was Warner Brothers, the, the only thing that I would hold on to at this point is Wonder Woman. I would like <laughs> reboot the entire franchise, pretend none of the other stuff happened. Um, ben, do you yeah. have any thoughts? I mean, this is a tough one because Henry Cavill was like, I feel like he was a really good Superman. And this is a, a sentiment that I've seen shared a lot online today, but I just happen to agree with it. I feel like Henry Cavill was a really good Superman trapped in a lot of really bad Superman stories. So um, it's really unfortunate if this actually comes to pass. I think uh, Warner Brothers put out an official statement that sort of. I mean, HT, what what was their official statement exactly? Okay, so their official statement said, uh, quote, while no decisions have been made regarding any upcoming Superman films, we've always had great respect for and a great relationship with Henry Cavill, and that remains unchanged. So it is a very vague statement, which, which, statement which confirms and denies nothing. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't deny the fact that this report is making is making the rounds now and is very definitive in terms of just Henry Cavill leaving the role, uh, which I agree with you, Ben, is really unfortunate just because he was he was a really good Superman, I think, that kind of got the short end of the stick when it came to the depictions in the DC universe, because I feel like he really understood the character as being a more earnest, optimistic one, and they kept trying to shoehorn him into this like peg that didn't fit of a grim and brooding Superman. Yeah, I wonder if this is a case of like him wanting more money to appear in this cameo role and you know because he was in Mission Impossible Fallout this summer and everybody loved him in that and maybe the studio just undervaluing him as an actor and sort of drawing a line in the sand and him saying okay fine like the the DC movies are not that great anyway I'll I'll be glad to walk away because I just proved that I can walk into other franchises and be you know completely fine as an actor I'm not exactly typecast uh, as Superman in the same way that like somebody like Christopher Reeve was back in, in there, you know, back in the day. So um, I don't know. I wonder if that's part of what happened here. Now, I mean, I do agree with uh, both of your assessments uh, with the situation that Henry Cavill was uh, a, a great Superman in in bad Superman movies or not so great Superman movies. Um, I actually liked Man of Steel uh, quite a bit. Um, I, but I, I think at this point it's kind of, at some point you got to cut your losses and you you got to move forward. And I think with uh, all the stuff that, uh, you know, Zack Snyder kind of built up, I, I, I think it's time for Warner Brothers to put all that behind them and move forward in a way, you know, clean the slate a little bit. Uh, obviously, they got to keep Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was such a success. Um I wish there was a way to reboot the universe like there was, you know, you know, they were going to do a Flashpoint movie. That doesn't sound like it's happening at this point um, to explain this. But, uh, you know, we should probably also talk about the other bit of news that is going on today. And that is someone who is being considered 
for the role of Superman, it's kind of a surprise. Actually, uh, someone who has appeared in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so um, according to a report at Deadline, in the wake of Henry Cavill hanging up his red cape as Superman, Deadline says that Warner Brothers, quote, has been mulling a completely different direction with its Superman canon for some time, even considering casting Michael B. Jordan in the role down the road. So that's basically the start and and end of what we know about this it's not like you know we don't know if he's been actually offered the part or when exactly the studio is considering bringing a new superman into the fold but uh it's basically just michael b jordan's name has been mentioned in association with this and um i justin kroll a reporter at variety uh tweeted that one thing to mention on the superman front every time a big role is casting at warner brothers michael b jordan's name is always mentioned going back to that matrix reboot that never came to be so tread lightly when it comes to him and this project so uh, i'm not entirely sure i guess that just means that michael b jordan is on a list somewhere and warner brothers i mean, and he's probably on the list, especially after his performance in Black Panther on every studio, you know, in Hollywood. Um, but and and has been for quite some time, way before Black Panther even. But uh, but I, I guess somebody at Warner Brothers just really likes him. So the idea of of Michael B. Jordan playing Superman is really fascinating to me because um, I mean he's a great actor and there was all this talk years and years ago that Will Smith might play Captain America, uh, you know, before Chris Evans was ultimately cast in that part. And I remember there being a big uproar online, even back in that was 2010 or something like that of, you know, people flipping out because a black character was playing such an iconic superhero. And Michael B. Jordan himself has already gone through that with his work as uh, Johnny Storm in Fantastic Four that came out in 2015. That movie is obviously better off forgotten, but um, it would be really, I mean, I'm sure he would not appreciate the uh, the torrent of hatred that would happen if he were to uh, be cast in that role. But I hope that maybe society is, uh, has reached a point where those voices won't be amplified quite as much um, if that were to happen, because he's a great actor. And I think he would actually be a really tremendous Superman. What do you guys think about the possibility of Michael B. Jordan as Superman? You know, I, I was going to say uh, just quick before we go to HT uh, that, you know, we, we often talk about the you know, the problems in the Star Wars fan base now, but I find the DC fan base to be way more toxic and way, and I can't imagine, you know, with them going away from uh, Zack Snyder's fans. And these are a lot of like, you know, Zack Snyder diehards. And I feel like the toxicity would reach an all time high if they cast Michael B. Jordan in this role. Uh, Itchy, what, what are your thoughts? I love the idea of Michael B. Jordan. I think he's a fantastic actor, especially after his performance in Black Panther, where he just blew me away. But yeah, I'm a little bit afraid of what would happen if they actually cast him. And at the same time, it also feels like Warner Brothers is doing its classic throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what will stick (laughs) and just kind of going like, oh, Michael B. Jordan, he's really hip now, right? Maybe we can cast him as Superman and like give the character a fresh new reboot and everything. And at the same time, like, well, I like that idea. I think that the problem with what they're trying to do with Superman is that they keep trying to change him and twist him and make him something new when they should have just gone back to the, the basic, you know, capital G good Superman that they can't seem to nail and maybe try to start off with that before they try to do a new twist or something. I kind of wonder if they are going to go with a reboot. I mean, obviously the reports, the initial reports were that they were moving on to like the Supergirl thing. Um, I 
I almost wonder if there's a way to play the DC uh, universe in a way that, like, we hear about Superman in the background. Like, you know, Henry Cavill is, is still there in the background. Like, they could use, like, obviously shots and, you know, they, they, they could CG him into things and stuff like that. So he's still in this universe, but we aren't having... Because CGing Superman... works so well in Warner Brothers movies. <laughs> Especially when you're CGing uh, mustaches. Um <laughs> Uh, Peter, you mentioned Flashpoint earlier. I wonder if it might be worth it for Warner Brothers to make that movie just so they can have like an in-universe reason for wiping the table. What do you think about that? Well, I do know the initial script brought things back to normal. It was like Back to the Future where, you know, things are restored at the end of the the day. Uh, But yeah, it, it would be interesting to see a totally different DC universe come out of a film like that. I just uh I don't know. <laughs> I, I I feel I feel like they they aren't I feel like we're not even going to get a flash movie at this point. Uh what do you think? I mean, it, it would just be a really cool way for them to actually keep Gal Gadot in that role and maybe keep Ezra Miller and maybe Jason Momoa depending on how well Aquaman does at the box office. Um HG, what do you think? I think conceptually is a good idea, but I don't trust them to take on such an ambitious, uh, <laughs> very complex story that often is convoluted and uh, actually pull it off. Uh, they couldn't even handle a Justice League movie, which is very simple conceptually, but they it turned into quite uh, a clunky mess. So I would hope that it would work and it would make the most sense to do. I just don't know if they're at that point yet when they can because we don't know the characters yet. We've only been with them for like two or three movies at most. So it's it's just I that's what I would want to do like in a perfect world, but it's just uh I don't know if I could see them doing that at this point in time. Yeah, it's almost too bad that they've already done Doomsday in uh which one was Doomsday in? <laughs> Batman versus Superman, Superman, yeah. Uh, Because, uh, you know, that comic book storyline, the death of Superman, when Superman actually got killed, there was a bunch of people that came uh, out of the woodwork, super people, trying to take over the mantle of Superman. And there was, like, I think five or six people. uh, And I I could totally see, like, that being an interesting movie. The comic book storyline wasn't that good. So uh, maybe not with the source material not being great but uh i could see like you know michael b jordan being like one of those hopeful people to take over the mantle of superman but i i feel like i feel like fans would just go in a tizzy <laughs> yeah that would have been really interesting because then you could have cast huge people like a i mean not tom cruise but like a tom cruise type you know to be just in that one movie because it would just be a one-off for that person and ultimately one person would emerge from those five to to sort of uh, pick up the have mantle or Nicolas something but... cage finally yeah. have his time to shine <laughs> and then him get killed immediately or something <laughs> yeah man give us a flashpoint movie just so we can go back in time and make this happen <laughs> That w- if they could end the Flashpoint movie with Nicolas Cage being Superman, <laughs> that would be that w- my dream would come true. That would be so amazing. But uh, we've probably spent too much time on Superman today. Uh, 
especially like talking about it. Let's move on to our next story, and that is uh, an interesting bit about Ralph Breaks the Internet is coming to Disneyland and Disney World uh, in an attraction opening this fall. This is something that has been rumored for a little bit now. Uh, Brad wrote this up for the site. He's not on the podcast, so I'll talk about it right now. Uh, And that is uh, they're going to be opening a hyper-reality VR experience. Uh, we, We don't really know much else about it. We know that the Void is involved. They are the people that made that a recent Star Wars uh, Void experience. Uh, it, it is interesting to me uh, because, uh, you know, the Void experience, you have to pay kind of a premium price to enter that experience, and they kind of only have a certain amount of people that can go through it in an, an hour because it's like a set amount of space, and um, it takes some time to put on the VR goggles and to strap this backpack to your back. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering how they're going to you know, accommodate more people with this Ralph Breaks the Internet experience. Um, But it it seems like it's going to be set kind of like inside the video game world. So uh, there has been rumors that it could be like set inside like the racing game that uh, Vanellope is part of or even the one that uh, I guess Gal Gadot is uh, being introduced in this sequel. Uh, So I wanted to ask you guys if you'd be interested in entering the world of Ralph Breaks the Internet in uh in a vr experience hd have you had any experience with the with these sorts of vr things i've i've done a couple of them at junkets and stuff i don't I don't have any like vr equipment at home but uh have you ever done anything like that nothing that's quite interactive i've done some vr i went to south by southwest like three years ago in which i went to the vr um sort of station there and there was like music videos and some cool gadgets and stuff, but uh, nothing quite on the video game level that this is looking to be. Uh, but it sounds really cool. I hope that it would be more akin to like a video game than just watching a film. Um, but that sounds like what it's going to be like. It's, yeah. it's kind of vague, but it would be really cool to be to basically like take on the role of an old school arcade game. Yeah, it had, I, it had been rumored before that it was going to be kind of like – I'm not sure if this is still the case or if this is, was just a rumor, but that people would like enter into a uh, you know a room where there's like these kind of uh, ride vehicles that they kind of like sit into. And when you pull down the like almost like roller coaster kind of uh, – what do you call that? Like a brace that the VR goggles would go over your face. So it would be like hmm. – uh, so you'd be controlling like a steering wheel and stuff like that. I don't know if that's still the case. Uh, ben, what is your experience with VR? Um, yeah, like I said, I've done a, a few little things here and there. You know, at certain junkets, they've had experiences set up and um, uh, some set visit stuff that I'm not allowed to talk about yet. But uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think for me, I really love the first Wreck-It Ralph movie. But the sequel, we talked about like the trailers and stuff from that. Uh, that world, that sort of... Uh, manic world that it looks like the sequel takes place in i'm not entirely certain if i want that <laughs> flying past my face in a vr experience you know uh but um but yeah i mean <laughs> i guess i'm up for for giving it a shot what do you think peter is this something you would do I- i'm more interested in going in the world of the 8-bit arcade that uh wreck ralph is based in than i think the internet <laughs> you know what i mean i don't mm-hmm. want to go into a uh a city what would you call that not amorphized but uh it virtually yeah, realized version of the internet where there's sure, yeah. you know I, I, that 
that to me does not seem interesting. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I'm guessing it's going to be more of a interactive ride experience where you're like, I, I guess you could be riding through the internet. I don't know. Mm. Um, but we'll have to see. I, I, I'm, I'm skeptical of how how much VR can go into theme parks. I know that there have been some VR roller coasters. Ben, have you done any of those? No, I haven't. I, I also have not done those. But I've heard the loading time to get people into because not only do you have to check the normal safety precautions of a roller coaster, but everybody has to get their goggles on, and you know, it, mm. it, it just uh, the. I don't feel like VR is at a place at this point that the you know the flow of in traffic of theme park guests are you know make it uh, practical. I guess right, right, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but we'll have to see. It's coming this fall, uh, so we will know pretty soon. Uh, let's move on to HBO, uh, who is. Uh, the head of HBO is calling Netflix the Walmart of streaming. And I think more interestingly is teasing that they may launch a new streaming service with Warner Brothers. Ben, what do we know? Yeah, so I'll talk about the Walmart thing first. Uh, Randall Stevenson, who is the CEO of AT&T, which is the company that just recently acquired Time Warner, which is now Warner Media, which owns uh, Warner Brothers and HBO. So there's a, a little bit of a tree there for you to follow. But um, so Randall Stevenson at, was speaking at a, a communications conference this morning. And he said that uh, HBO is a very, very unique asset. I think of Netflix kind of as the Walmart of subscription video on demand services. HBO is kind of the Tiffany. So this is pretty funny for a couple of reasons. First of all, Walmart is actually planning to launch its own streaming service already. We (laughs) talked about that uh, not too long ago. Um, And Second, as a lot of people have pointed out, Walmart made $486 billion in revenue last year, and Tiffany only made $4.2 billion in revenue, so it's not exactly a great comparison there. Uh, And then third, his comment really strikes me as like the pained remark of like a jilted lover, because uh, for the first time this year, Netflix has snapped HBO's 17-year streak of being the network that earned the most Emmy nominations. So Netflix had 112 and HBO had 108. So it sort of seems like uh, uh, Stevenson is sort of lashing out a little bit as, uh, you know, at, at the person who beat him in the race, basically. Um, yeah, so it, that, it almost feels to me like he's saying, oh, well, they're, they're making more content, but we're making more critically acclaimed content. But, yeah, it, but if they're getting more nominations, then that's not even true. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's part of his argument. And like nothing that anybody will ever say is going to convince me that ballers should be compared to a diamond in any way. So I, I don't <laughs> don't think that's exactly a, a great comparison. But yeah, like you were saying, the more interesting thing about this is according to Variety, Stevenson said that AT&T is looking to launch a new direct-to-consumer model for Warner Media built around the Warner Brothers content library and including content from HBO and Turner Sports. The company plans to reveal more details of the new direct-to-consumer streaming plans in the fourth quarter of 2018. So... A streaming service that plays Warner Brothers movies and includes original content from HBO is what he's talking about. And that already exists. It's called HBO Now. I don't understand. Well, no, that what... that has HBO content mixed with other content that they license, not necessarily from Warner Brothers. That's true. But like all of the Warner Brothers movies go there, right? Like well, not all of them. Sometimes uh, those Warner Brothers movies get licensed elsewhere. 
I think. I'm pretty sure. Do they? I, I don't know. I, I guess I've always just been like, uh, you know, when I see a movie that Warner Brothers is putting out a movie and if I'm, you know, like Tag, for example, I, I'm not I, I wasn't interested enough to see Tag in theaters, but I was like, oh, it's a Warner Brothers movie. That means it's going to be on HBO eventually. So I'll just catch it there. Um, I, I feel like that's their that's what always happens. But I don't know. Maybe you might be right. Maybe listeners can can write in with some examples of times when uh, Warner movies have not played on HBO. But I feel like because they're all under that same umbrella, that's what always tends to happen. But um, well, what what if this streaming service had all of Warner Brothers uh, movie content? So that includes, you know, all the DC stuff, the uh, Harry Potter films, uh, you know, big films like The Matrix, Gravity, uh, Twister, Happy Feet, you know, Dunkirk, all the Nolan films. Like, is this something, you know, for like 10 bucks a month that you would subscribe to? Um, I, I, you know, I think it would have to be everything. It would have to be like the Warner archive, which I don't even know if that's still around anymore. Did you ever subscribe to that, Peter? The, I think no, it was like I, all I of Warner some, Brothers classic films. Yeah. I bought some DVDs and stuff from them because they did like this on demand, uh, printing of DVDs from Warner archive, I believe. Um, but I've never, never subscribed to that service, but it, yeah, I mean, was it even a service? I might be misremembering that. Maybe they just released all of the stuff on physical media and maybe they never actually had a streaming service because I, I think a lot of the the Warner, the old classic Warner Brothers stuff uh, is on Filmstruck or went to Filmstruck when that became a thing. So maybe if if all of the stuff, you know, everything Warner Brothers was under one yeah. uh, was under one service. And maybe also if it included like access to DC Universe, which is their new streaming service there as well. Maybe if that was included for yeah 10 bucks a month or something that might be worth it. I don't know. HC, what do you think? Mm, it sounds to me like they're, it's somewhat similar to Disney's streaming service, but without the new original content. I'm not sure if that's enough for me to subscribe for $10 a month and I can just rent it on Amazon per se. Uh, it'd have to be like the only place you can get it. But then I would also just get very annoyed because it would feel like they're <laughs> making it more exclusive. Right. So yeah, I don't know. It's The streaming field is just, it's so, it's such an weird terrain to navigate now because no, not even the studios know what to do much with it. I don't know. It, it's 95 years of content, guys. Like there's a lot of classic movies that I haven't seen that I feel like if I subscribe to like the service, I would dive into, uh, you know, I'm sure the service would also feature like, you know, uh, content from like the CW and their other TV uh, networks. Uh, so I don't know. I, it would also include that would include New Line Cinema as well, right? And Castle Rock Entertainment, mm -hmm. so all those uh, great and not great horror films. Uh, so I, I I could see a value in this. I like I I envision a future, guys, where nobody is paying for cable TV. We're all paying for cable internet or whatever, and we're just subscribing to Disney, to uh, Warner Brothers, to HBO. Uh, like I feel like that that is going to be what it is in in the end. Like, is that something that sounds interesting to you or does that is that depressing? I mean, you're probably right. I have younger cousins or nephews or nieces who have never turned on TV in their life. They just watch Netflix on their iPads or something. So it's it would that sounds like a future that sounds feasible. It's just I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I never I actually never had cable until I was in college. So I'm not that 
tied to it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. What do you it's think, this, Ben? It's the same concern that I've had for years, which is that uh, the more these services begin to splinter off, the more the price drives up because you have to subscribe to all of them. And then at a certain point, you're just paying the same amount that you were paying for, uh, you know, for cable. So, like, what's yeah, the but point? But we, we were paying that price for cable, but now we would be getting everything, everything ever made. Do you know what I mean? Like, I guess if you yeah. could subscribe to the big six and then add on to that, you know, Netflix and HBO, then you're probably at like, yeah, 100 bucks a month. Which is I, I've I've certainly paid for the cable that much, but oh yeah, but theoretically I would be happy would if have... they were offered in packages like cable packages are offered now instead of having to subscribe to different services because that would be very annoying. But if they had maybe one just package where you can get Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, uh, Disney, etc., all in one, then I would be fine with that. So you're looking for a discount, a package yes. discount. <laughs> I wonder if those st- if the studios will end up doing that will end up sort of teaming up because they've joined forces for services like uh, like movies anywhere and and they've signed signed like um, packs before to sort of work together um, and, and reach the the, the you know uh, <laughs> the most amount of consumers that way so I wonder if each individual studio begins their own streaming service if then they will join together and offer like a, a bundled service or something like that but that's I mean that sounds like it's years away um, from happening but uh, yeah. but we may be heading there and I don't know this this report says that uh, Warner Brothers is planning to reveal more details about their new direct to consumer streaming service in, before this year is over so i guess we'll be talking about this more in the in the months to come i'm just curious how much you know normal uh consumers not you know people like us who you know watch too many movies and watch too many tv shows uh normal consumers how much they even know the difference between like a warner brothers and a paramount pictures like i know consumers love disney Right. Like Disney has a brand to it. Like if you go to someone on the street and you go, you know, name 12 Disney movies, I'm sure Mm -hmm. they would have no problem naming it. Despite the fact I go to Disneyland and people are wearing Minion shirts and don't know that the Minions are not a Pixar (laughs) film. But that aside. Or uh, Illumination. Yeah. um, That aside, uh, like I feel like there is a consumer love of Disney, but like no one really knows what a Warner Brothers movie is. Maybe they might know, oh, that's the DC films and the Harry Potter films. But uh, like, do you think people will even be attracted to like these these studio specific services? Yeah, it's a tough one. I don't know that that I think that is going to be for a studio, especially somebody like Paramount that doesn't necessarily have a an easily identifiable um, brand. Uh, that's going to be tough. That's going to be like the big challenge for them is trying to convince people why they should subscribe to all this, especially if Warner Brothers, for example, beats them to the punch and people already have access to every, you know, all of Warner Brothers old classic movies like for for the average consumer, not us, uh, you know, I, I would be surprised if they would subscribe to multiple studios um, services like that because they'll just be like, oh, I can watch old movies, you know, quote unquote, generic old movies on my Warner Brothers thing. Why do I need to, more from Paramount? Like you're saying, like they probably yeah. don't know the distinctions between them. So, yeah. And right now, most people probably know Paramount as the, the company that releases the Transformers Michael Bay movies. So, uh uh let's move on to uh chance the rapper's debut film slice which uh had a surprising debut this week hd can you talk about it 
Yes. So a day after it had Slice had its one night only world premiere in Chicago theaters on September 10th, A24 dropped the horror comedy on all digital platforms at midnight. So uh, midnight, September 11th. And that was done without any fanfare and without warning. People learned about it as it dropped or the morning after. And this is a, a project that has been kind of stewing around for the past year. Uh, it started building hype back in 2015 when Chance uh, started hyping this film, uh, which is directed by his frequent collaborator for many of his music videos, Austin Vesley. Um or Beasley, and um, A24 snapped up the distribution rights in 2016, and then we got a teaser and then a trailer earlier this year. So it's been kind of gaining a little bit of hype, and then now it's been dropped online without uh, much fanfare, and um, genre fans were excited. Yeah, it, it seems like the studio and some media are trying to paint this as like, uh, you know, Beyonce dropping a secret album suddenly, but uh, it seems more to me like it's like the Cloverfield paradox where they're yeah. kind of like, this movie's not that good. Let's, you know, surprise drop and people will pay to pay Netflix to see it. Yeah, that was my impression as well. That Yeah. When people said, oh, they dropped it without warning like Beyonce. But another movie that was dropped without warning was the Cloverfield paradox, which Netflix released a trailer for on Super Bowl Sunday and then dropped a few hours later on their platform, which ha- received some mixed reactions at best. Do, do and- you know what the reaction for slices? Pretty mixed as well. Um, <laughs> our slice review, uh, which came from Stephen Prokopke, Prokop- oh, sorry, I'm pr- mispronouncing his name, uh, was basically said that it's short on laughs, scares, and originality. Uh, a very ambitious in scope, but um, feels like a movie that's, quote, uninspired and overlong. Yeah, I, I just know Steve as uh, Capone because that's what I've called him for years and years uh, as that's what he started out with as uh, Ain't It Cool News, but he's a great uh, Chicago critic. Um, you can read his review on the site. I will link it in the show notes. Uh, we have one last story. I know we're going a little bit long, but I feel like this story is uh, worth talking about, and that is that Christopher Nolan and Paul Thomas Anderson are declaring war on motion smoothing. Uh, ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably know what motion smoothing is. But just in case, it's the feature on high def TVs that are that's basically it was designed to make objects that are moving appear less blurry. And what happens is the TV sort of uh, processes a frame and then it takes the next frame and fills in the space between the two it it, like creates information that wasn't there and uh basically the result is what they call the soap opera effect i'm sure you've seen this if you've visited your parents recently and watched tv at their house (laughs) that's probably what happens because a lot of uh, tv manufacturers have made it the default setting for most televisions because they often display like sports footage, for example, on the show floors at stores like Best Buy and Target. And the uh, motion smoothing effect actually does look pretty decent when you're watching, uh, you know, some sporting event. But the problem is for things that were shot, you know, like film where it's 24 frames a second, it's adding frames in there, or adding information in between the frames, and it makes it look terrible. So uh, movie directors like Ryan Johnson and Reed Morano, who's directed I Think We're Alone Now, which comes out soon, and uh, you know James Gunn and a ton of other people have been complaining about this for years because it makes their movies look awful, and most consumers – 
are just not aware that this setting is the default and that they can turn it off and have these uh, these settings go back to like the traditional way of watching things. So uh, Christopher Nolan and Paul Thomas Anderson have now reached out directly to TV manufacturers to try to create what they're calling a reference mode that will implement the results of a new director survey that they sent out to people at the Directors Guild of America. And uh, this reference mode is basically a way for them to uh, create a mode that more accurately reflects the filmmakers intentions for watching their content on TV. So we have uh, a copy of the email and you can read all about that and the article at slashfilm.com. It has like some of the survey questions there. Um, but yeah, that's the, the big news is that they are trying to, they're actually taking active steps to try to get this uh, motion smoothing and all these other garbage TV settings to, <laughs> um, to not be the default or, or at least, to have a new mode um, be easily accessible uh, for the average consumer. Yeah, see, this is interesting to me because I know we talked about, uh, uh, I think last month, this Netflix TV deal that allow uh, people to watch Netflix programming in the way that the filmmakers intended. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it really just sounded like some kind of, program mode that would be like a specific color settings and specific you know like it wasn't like it was going to adjust on a title to title basis Mm -hmm. what this sounds like to me is like if we could actually get uh you know tv manufacturers to implement this we would have a mode that like per movie you know like the dark knight would have this much darkness because this is exactly how christopher nolan wanted people to watch this movie and that to me is really exciting uh, and of course, you know, people not being subjected to the, you know, motion smoothing and some of that stuff. It's you, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, I like this idea. I hate motion smoothing. Like, like Ben said, when I went to, this was at my parents' house, my, my uncle's house, he had motion smoothing on and they didn't notice anything different. They just kind of ex- thought that everything looked soapy and bad. And they were watching some TV show that looked horrible and looked like it was on a soap opera set and it infuriated me that not only was, did it look like this but that people had no idea that this was a, a problem so I, I like this idea a lot I wonder how this will be implemented with every movie that everyone will watch whether it'll be like an automatic setting or if it's something that you can like choose to do because it sounds a little bit complicated in terms of just like the follow-through right but um i i love this idea just because i hate motion smoothing and i it's as much as i hate for example really crappy um like uh digital reformatting of non-digital movies yeah and i you know i want to play devil's advocate as i often do on this podcast guys and, and and just say that uh technically uh, we've been watching film, uh, you know, movies recorded on film, which present an artifact of these blurs, right? And that is uh, not the way we view things in reality with, with those kind of intense blurs. And that video cameras, uh, hence the soap opera effect, uh, you know, capture better vision than film in that, like, they'll capture, like, more frames per second than 24 frames per second. Uh you know, people like James Cameron are pushing high frame rate cameras, uh, you know, that can capture, you know, over 100 frames per second. And, uh, I, I, you know, Peter Jackson did uh, the first Hobbit film, I think, was a high frame rate release. <laughs> and uh, I, I think people saw that kind of like soap opera effect. But uh, 
I guess with my devil's advocate here, I'm saying, guys, that uh, technically this looks more like reality and less like the the thing that we grew up on. Is it really that bad? Yes, well, it really is. I want, to cite, I want to cite the, um, the Ang Lee movie, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, which made a lot of uh, headlines for filming in that high frame rate and being in, uh, I think, uh, by 120 frames per second, yes, uh, in 4K HD resolution. And it had that sort of hyper real, uh, just like crisp, realistic uh, tone to it. And it really unsettled a lot of people because it looks so realistic. And I think a lot of people go to movies for that, you know, escapist quality and not just look in a window or like have really intense close-ups of this one guy's face in hyper reality. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree with you guys. I think it looks awful, but I, I do think that, you know, we should look at things objectively and uh, it's not necessarily worse. It's just uh, probably not how we want films presented, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Uh, so that brings us to the end of uh, today's Slash Film Daily. Uh, ben, where can we find more of your work online? You can find me writing every day at SlashFilm.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ben Pears. HD, where can we find you? I'm also every day at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at HTranBooey. And you can find me at SlashFilm.com and at SlashFilm on all social media. I did some tweets about the Apple keynote today, so you can go there and read my thoughts. Um, you can find all the links to all the stories we talked about today on this podcast on SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes. This podcast, Slash Home Daily, is published on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Uh, please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to Peter at SlashFilm.com. And I promise we're, we're, we're going to get to the mailbag. We have a whole lot built up in there. Uh, please go right and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. So, guys, if I subscribe to a Warner Brothers streaming service, would that have the content that is on the DC Universe streaming service? Or do I have to subscribe to both of them to get the yeah, content? Yeah, that's what I was saying. I think it would it would definitely make sense for them to bundle that to start. But maybe they could split it off eventually, like after a year or something. I don't know. Um, I get the feeling from the mess that is happening over Warner <laughs> Brothers Studios right now. We'll have to have two separate services and it'll just be very confusing for everyone. I feel like this is all going to just get divided and it's not going to be my my dreams of a Warner Brothers streaming service. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be a New Line streaming service. So if you want all your horror or New Line films, you're going to have to subscribe to that. If you want your DC films, you're going to have to subscribe to DC Universe. And then, oh, there's going to be the Wizarding World streaming service. HD, would you subscribe to the Wizarding World? Okay, yeah, I would subscribe to that. <laughs> I am trash for Harry Potter. You guys all know. I would definitely subscribe. And if they have a Potter more, like extra subscription i would also subscribe to that so yes that's one thing i would definitely subscribe for i was gonna say that i wouldn't because there's so little content but if they started a harry potter tv series i'd totally be in